0: Well, good afternoon slash evening, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of The Chris Carpenter Show. This is the season premiere of The Chris Carpenter Show, episode 53, start of season two. And season two is going to be more fun than season one. Doesn't mean you shouldn't go back and listen to season one episodes, but season two is going to be really, really fun. So... Um, Got a little bit of sports to cover this week. I'm also going to bring to you my uh, five, my top five uh, worst moments of the Tech Athletics season. Got some listener questions, and then we will get to the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. So let's jump right into it. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Tech football. Um, Big news this week with Tech football, we had our first Uh, preseason conference picks uh, coming from the Athlon magazine. Uh, Tech was picked to finish ninth this year. Not surprised that they're picked to finish near the lower end of the Big 12. I personally disagree with the assessment of ninth. I, I think there are two teams that Tech is definitely better than in the Big 12, even before we play a snap of a football this year, and that is Kansas and West Virginia. So to me, I think Tech should finish no worse than eighth. Now, where is their ceiling? And That was a big discussion this week on a lot of uh, Twitter, radio shows. I think their ceiling is probably sixth place, there's a lot of murkiness in the middle of the Big Twelve. Um, like I said before, I think Kansas, West Virginia, certainly are the are in the bottom of the Big Twelve. At the top, I, I think probably Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Baylor. I would probably put them uh, in in that conversation. I think those are going to be the three teams that are going to be vying for the Big Twelve championship this year. And then you get a little bit of murkiness. In the middle, you've got Iowa State. They lost, you know, Brock Purdy. You know, they they had a really rough season, even with him last year. I don't know how good they're going to be. You've got Texas coming, um, coming back from their disaster last year. Is this the year they're truly back, or what? We'll see. And then you've got TCU with a brand new coach and Sonny Dykes that's coming, uh, coming in. Are they gonna be better this year I don't know i I don't I, my inkling is they're not going to be I think I think that certainly is winnable for tech and then you finally have Kansas State who's basically they've kind of just been you know very consistently average under Chris Kleiman, getting to that six and six seven and five mark so I think tech's kind of in that murky middle teams of the big twelve and and I certainly think. That those those other teams amongst that murky middle are winnable games for Tech. In addition to the West Virginia and and Kansas, I think those those should be you should automatically put those in the win column this year. Um, As far as the three top teams in the Big Twelve, here's here's what's interesting about Tech's schedule this year. All three of those teams are coming to the Jones. Uh, Actually, I take that back. Mr. Carpenter was wrong. Um, Oklahoma State, they got to go on the road, but you've got Oklahoma and Baylor coming into um, Lubbock. If Joey McGuire is as good as he's really been in the offseason, I think Tech splits with those two teams. I think Tech will get at least one win out of, the three big teams that are coming to Lubbock this year, Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas. I'm not sure which team it'll be yet. I'm still kind of thinking through what my preseason predictions are going to be, but I do think Tech could get one of those teams. So I think ninth was a little bit too low um, into the spectrum. I, w- I would probably put Tech maybe at seventh or eighth. A lot of it's just going to depend on – that murky middle teams, how many of those teams can Tech beat? And, you know, we'll talk more about that when we get to August and we get to the preseason conference predictions. So that's really the, the big football news this week. Um, we should be pretty soon hearing about who the new commissioner of the Big 12 is going to be. You know, I've made it very clear in this on this podcast that I think Kirby Hocutt would be a great Big Twelve commissioner and would be a huge uh, asset, not only just for Tech but for the entire conference. I think the bottom line with whoever they hire, it needs to be somebody that can think outside the box and lead this conference. Into kind of the new era of college football. You've got television deals that are expiring very soon. And I think one of the things we're going to see in these next sets of television contracts is you're going to see conferences sign with streaming services. And, you know, credit old man Bob Bowlesby for getting the Big 12 onto the ESPN Plus, Big 12 Now um, system. And I think that was a good thing, and I think that's been good for Tech. Number one, your your secondary um, sports basketball for or not basketball baseball for one, but your non conference basketball games are all aired on television. If you get an ESPN Plus subscription, you have access to them. But for football, Tech has been able to pick. The time that they play, especially these early season games. You know, the Murray State game that's going to be played before the ESPN Plus deal, that would have been a game on FSN and you're probably subject to um, FSN, that uh, would be Fox Sports Southwest, which is not even around anymore, but you would probably would have been subject to that game being an afternoon game, um, which would have been terrible. Tech was able to pick when they play that game and replaying it at 7. So I think the Big 12 has in a little bit of infancy stages have done has done a good job with getting into the streaming game. I think this next set of television contracts, you're going to see a lot more of these streaming companies wanting to bid on live sports and live college football. So I'm talking, you know, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, I think Paramount Plus is going to be in the game because you know uh, CBS is owned by Viacom, which is Paramount Plus's is uh, you know company, and they're going to want to find some sort of replacement for losing the SEC television package, and so I think they're going to be in the game as well uh, potentially for um, a conference. So, bottom line, I think it's important that the Big 12 brings in a commissioner that's not going to be reactionary. I think the past two Big 12 commissioners, Dan Beebe and Bob Bowlesby, have been very reactive commissioners where they wait for things to happen in the other conferences, and then they basically are left scrambling. You've got to have a commissioner that is a bit, bit of a visionary and can make moves without uh, – That aren't just following what other conferences do. And I think there's going to be potential, not only in television, but also the Pac-12, I think, is in trouble. It is a sinking ship. And I think that the, the Big 12 has an opportunity to potentially bring in... Some of these Pac-12 teams, the Arizona schools specifically, would be two I would target. Certainly bringing in Utah to match up with BYU would be another potential as well. And you're going to have to have a commissioner that's willing to go for that um, action. And I think Kirby Hoka would be a great commissioner, so we'll see what happens. But that should be in the next few weeks, We could be potentially hearing who the next Big 12 commissioner is. Other uh, big news this week, uh, Tech basketball. We did find out on Thursday who is going to be um, Tech's opponent in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And a lot of Tech fans were very disappointed. And I'm one of them, to be honest with you. Tech's going to be playing LSU at LSU. So they'll be in Baton Rouge. This is the second or third time, could even be the fourth time, that Tech has been matched up against LSU in this Big 12 SEC Challenge. And so I think there's a lot of disappointment there from Tech fans. They want to see some of the other SEC schools besides LSU. You know, conspicuously absent in the Big 12 SEC Challenge this year, is Texas A&M. And I know Texas A&M has had some down years in basketball lately, but I think a lot of Tech fans would have jumped on a Tech A&M basketball matchup, even if that meant Tech would have gone to College Station, they would have had to go to College Station this year, which that would have been fun because Tech fans would do the exact thing exact thing they did to UT last year and they would have overtaken that arena and so it would have been i think that would have been a fun matchup i think tech and auburn would have been a fun matchup these are two teams that have really been on the rise the last 5 years you know unfortunately they didn't go for that what what it seems like the the powers that be in in the Big 12 SEC did is they preserved a lot of last year's matchups that were good that were compelling television. You've got UT uh, University of Texas going to Tennessee this year. They played last year. You've got Kansas and Kentucky playing again. They played last year. They, they they it seems like they play every year no matter what. You know, and it's just it's frustrating because you know, it it feels like, you know, back in 2020, Kentucky came to town and played Tech and that feels like that's just going to be a rare occasion, that they're they're really bent on protecting the Kansases and the Texases of the Big 12 and not providing compelling matchups for some of the other Big 12 teams. And, you know, to me, in the Big 12 basketball right now, Texas Tech is one of your top brands, and they should have been treated as such and have been able to get a more compelling matchup than having to play LSU again. So, a little bit of a disappointment there, And but it's okay. Uh, you know, Tech's going to go down to Baton Rouge and whip up on, on LSU, and we'll, we'll scurry on back home with a victory. So, All right, uh, other sports topics this week. We have the start of the College World Series yesterday, and it could not have gone any better if you're a Tech fan. Both uh, Texas A&M and Texas lost, and they're going to be playing in the losers bracket, which is an appropriate name for those two teams. So we're going to get one of them. We're going to get one of them eliminated already, and the other one's going to have to work through the losers bracket to get um, get to the championship. As far as I'm concerned, as uh, College World Series, the team I'm for is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is the team that does the least damage to tech on the recruiting trail. I will I can't I will never root for Texas Texas A&M. You know, I had to root for Oklahoma yesterday against A&M, but the, I'm done with that. We need them to lose, you know, and then you've got these SEC schools, Arkansas, Auburn, you know, in that other bracket I'm probably for Auburn or Stanford to get out of there. But, you know, Stanford's done tech wrong too. So, it, the team that probably I want to win the most is Notre Dame. And Notre Dame got off to a good start yesterday. They're 1-0, moving on, and we'll see what happens. So, last bit of sports and then we'll get to my top 5 top 5 list. I guess I'll comment a little bit on the NBA finals. Um, the Warriors did win the NBA championship on Thursday, and so that's 4 and 8 years for the Golden State Warriors. I wish I could be happy for him, but Steve Kerr, he's a commie and hates America. So, um, you know, I like Steph Curry. I like Clay Thompson. I I have a lot of respect for them. You know, Jonathan Kambiga was on this team this year. He almost came to Tech. So, um, it's impressive. It's impressive what they've been able to do. I think what they did prove this year is it wasn't all about Kevin Durant. You know, they've now won an NBA championship before they had Durant, and now after they had Durant. And I really truly think that Durant leaving and going to Brooklyn was um, addition by subtraction for the Golden State Warriors. So kudos to them. All right, let's get to my top five list this week. We're looking at, so last week, if, if you have not listened to last week's podcast, I went over the top five best moments in tech athletics this year. And I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't. We're going to go on the negative side this week, and we're going to talk about the top five worst moments of the Tech Athletics year. And this actually was a pretty easy easy list to put together as well. You know, I, I talked about last week, I thought overall Tech had a, a very strong athletic year. But you did have some moments that were rough, and that's that's where we're going to get to today. My number five was baseball. And they're, they had some really bad midweek losses. But the worst of the worst of the worst midweek loss was to UNM. There's no excuse for losing to a team as bad as the University of New Mexico. And it was rough. It was a rough game. That re- it, that was the game that really exposed how thin your bullpen was uh, during that time. And, and I'll reiterate, you know, Tech. Tech's bullpen, Tech's pitching staff did a heck of a job um, at the Statesboro Regional, but against UNM and during that time period, it was rough going. Yeah, so that would be my number five worst moment of the Tech Athletics year. Number four is the entire softball mess that is going on. You know, you look at top to bottom Tech Athletic programs, you you're in a pretty good position right now. And yes, I know football hasn't won in a long time. Football's been a mess. But I think that's going to shore up with the, the hire of Joey McGuire. Um, the Lady Raider basketball program has had some had some problems. And you know, two years ago was in a horrible position after uh, Marlene Stallings was fired. But I think Krista Gerlich has, has, has done really good about cleaning that up. I think the next step, obviously, is is more consistent winning, and I think think they'll get there this year. And then you've got softball, and softball's been a ginormous mess. Two years ago, you fired uh, Adrian Gregory after, you know, investigation into all the athletic programs after the Marlene Stallings mess. You hired – I don't even know who the coach they hired was. You hired this lady, and two years – we're in two years later, and we're in the same position. Um, she was fired even before the season was over. Softball's just been in a free fall. And I said it before, and I'll say it again, Um, When this whole softball thing bubbled up, I think the beginning of the bad mistakes goes back to 10 years ago when Shannon Hayes was fired. Shannon Hayes was fired for no good reason, quite frankly. And I think since then, softball has just been a dumpster fire. And it continues to be, I think, even more so than football and the Lady Raiders program. It's probably the big blight on the athletic department right now. And so... We'll see. I haven't even they haven't hired anybody yet. And you know, if, if Kirby is leaving to be the Big Twelve Commissioner, is he gonna even make the hire? I don't know. But uh hopefully they can figure that out very quickly. So number three is it is a tech basketball moment. It's probably the worst. It is well, it is the worst tech basketball moment. Spoiler alert, the other two are not basketball. And it was the loss to Oklahoma State to end the regular season. There were some bad losses this year for Tech. Oklahoma was a bad loss. Kansas State certainly was a bad loss. T.C. was a bad loss. But I think the Oklahoma State loss was the worst loss. Um, The way that they played, the the fact that they did not score for basically the last 10 minutes of the game, and then the... Trying to get the last shot was about, it was like 15 seconds left on the clock, but it took 15 minutes for that to end, and it was like dying a slow death. It was terrible. Bar none the worst loss of of the basketball season for Tech. Fortunately, um, they were able to rebound from that. They went on a run in the Big 12 uh, tournament, got to the championship game, and then Got to the Sweet Sixteen, so we have. There was a silver lining at the end, but I remember the- after that game, it was just it was pretty rough. Go. So our last two top two moments, they both come from football. Number two is the seventy to, I think they said what was it seventy to ten, loss to uh, Texas last year. Tech consistently tends to lose to Texas, especially when it's in Austin there was a little bit of hope um when that game when they played that game they played them early last year that tech was 3 and 0 all you know ut was coming in at 2 and 1 and it was just it from the outset it was a complete and utter no show from that football team and it was an embarrassment and it becomes even a bigger embarrassment when the university of texas completes the rest of their season and they're revealed to be not a very good team and tech made them look like world beaters that day and it was it was just a horrible no show um top to bottom you know Tyler Shuck ends up getting hurt we have the first of the Henry Columbia games and just it was a rough it was a rough game and number 1 is the Kansas State football game which ended the tenure of Matt Wells and honestly it makes sense watching that game why Matt Wells is no longer the head coach. You know, this was a game that Tech took a very early 21-nothing lead. They were playing on all cylinders in the first half and then they just fell apart in uh, the second half. And this was the this was the game where it was third and 34 and Tech gives up a penalty and Kansas State wins. It was the bottom of the barrel, bottom of the barrel loss um, for Tech Athletics this year. Again, I think the silver lining is, you know, you end up uh, getting Joey McGuire as your new coach. And hopefully, finally, we've made the right hire for Tech football. But, you know, that that is one of that. That is a game that left a pretty horrible taste in my mouth for a very long time. So. Definitely uh, some pretty low moments. Again, I'll reiterate, and I said this last week, overall, I think this was a very solid athletic season, you know, even for football. Football got them, you know, got themselves to a bowl game and, and got themselves to a bowl win, which they had not done since 2014. So very, very solid, very solid year overall, but you did have some rough moments, so Next week, we're going to look at top five individual performances by a tech athlete, and uh, should be an interesting one. But we're going to go ahead and take a break, and when I come uh, come back, we're going to get to listener questions. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter Show. We're going to get to our listener questions. Two best ways to ask questions. Number one is to follow the official Twitter of The Chris Carpenter Show, which is at The C-Carp Show. And you can direct message me. I usually post a tweet a few hours before I record. And I will answer your questions that way. Another way that you can ask questions is by following the official TikTok of The Chris Carpenter Show. And it is simply The Chris Carpenter Show. So two good ways. We've got some good questions this week, and let's hop into it. So first question is Orenthal. Orenthal, maybe he's Orenthal James from Post, and he is asking, who is your NBA hero? So Orenthal, I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at this answer. And probably my favorite NBA player, is going to be Michael Jordan's an easy one to say he's definitely up there but I I, Dirk Dirk for sure Dirk was so fun to watch and it still hacks me off to this day that Mark Cuban wasn't able to make the right moves to deliver more than one championship with that organization when Dirk was there because there were several years that Dirk was the best player in the NBA and his, the supporting cast around him let him down and lay that at the feet of Mark Cuban, not a good general manager and sometimes not a good owner, quite frankly. So good question. We've got a question Vince from Wellman. And I got a funny story about Wellman. My car overheated once and I had to stop in Wellman. To uh, pour water in it, so and there isn't much in Wellman. There was a little, in fact, the gas station there. It was literally the gas tanks, and that was it. There was no no convenience store or anything like that. So uh, his question is, what do you think of the big sub- suspension of J. Bob Thomas? So J. Bob Thomas, he is one of the assistant coaches for the Tech baseball team, and the uh, the elimination game against Notre Dame. He ended up getting thrown out of the game and, uh, you know, argued with the umpire. He got thrown out for arguing balls and strikes and then argued, and he's he's going to have to serve a seven-game suspension starting at the beginning of next season, and the reason that the suspension is seven games is, number one, um, failing to leave the, the field in a timely manner and bumping an umpire. Now, here's my issue with the with the bumping an umpire number one the failing to leave in the timely manner to me that's very subjective i mean are they on a timer i don't get that but the the bumping the umpire one is the one i got an issue with because what ends up what ended up happening is the third base umpire so j bob starts arguing with the home plate umpire and they're arguing balls and strikes because the umpire's that weekend, they they were awful when it when it came to calling consistent balls and strikes, not just for Tech, but for all four teams in the regional. Um, so J. Bob's arguing with the home plate umpire, and then the third plate, the third 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 base umpire, he comes roaring down, waddling down the middle, and he's the one that bumps J. Bob. J. Bob didn't bump him first; it was him. And, you know, to me, that whole incident was part of a larger problem that was very noticeable during the regionals of umpires making the games about themselves. You know, um, a good umpire is they're not, they're seen, but they're not heard. They're there to call the game in a fair fashion and not make the ball game about themselves. And I, you know, to me, I got an issue with, him getting a, a part of that suspension for bumping an umpire. Because he didn't bump the umpire. The third the third base umpire was extremely aggressive, came towards Jim Bob, and bumped him. And there should be a punishment for that umpire. Will there be? No. So, fine. J-Bob will serve his seven-game suspension. He'll be back. And, you know, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous, quite frankly. So... Not not, I don't agree at all with the long suspension. So, all right, next question we've got King from Leveland. What is your favorite episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show? So I really enjoy the Mary Tyler Moore show. It's, if you've never watched it, it's it's an it's an oldie but a goodie. Favorite Mary Tyler Moore episode? I I got to go with the one that probably for most. People is their favorite Mary Tyler Moore episode, and it is "Chuckles Bites the Dust." And it is uh, it deals with death, but it makes you laugh the way they dealt with it. That was, I mean, it's such a that show is just such an underrated classic. My favorite character is Ted Baxter. He's just he's hilarious anytime he's on the screen. So, good question. All right, we've got. So, Harriet from Idaloo. Maybe communism would work if someone tried it the right way. Harriet, read a history book. Um, Let's see. We got... <laughs> all right, we've got... This is Quinn from Rio Linda. Why doesn't the government just send everyone a check for $1 million and then we can all afford as much gas as we want? It's appropriate that this is from Rio Linda because... So for those of you in Rio, Linda, I'm going to talk really slow for you why that doesn't work. And I've actually had this discussion with, uh, you know, my students have asked this question before. Why don't we just print more money and just hand it out? So when you do that, you end up with what we're in right now and the massive inflation that we're having. Printing more. Printing more and more money is never the answer. You know, go read your history books and read what happened to Germany after World War One. It was a disaster. They were people were care were rolling in wheelbarrows full of money to basically barely afford the basics of loaf of bread, milk, and eggs. It doesn't work that way. So for those of you in Rio Linda, it doesn't work. Okay. Let me let me say it a little bit slower for those of you in Rio Linda. It does not work. There you go. All right. Let's see if we got any more questions. That was uh, I love doing that. That was a fun one. Um Do, 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 do. Find the scenes, of Chris Carpenter show? <laughs> um Ooh, we got so we got two more questions. One sports, one non sports. This one is Susan from Tulia, home of the Hornets. Which former red Ra- Red Raider basketball player who transferred transferred out from tech this season will have the best year? And she lists out Shannon, McColler, Wilson, Agbo. So just to recap, Shannon went to Illinois. McCuller we talked about it quite a bit on this podcast he went to Kansas Agbo he goes to Boise State and then Wilson goes to Drake um or no not Drake I'm sorry he went to Houston so Sadir Calhoun went to Drake I think probably it's going to be Shannon that's going to have the best um best year this upcoming year and here's why I think the I think the offensive focal point at Illinois is going to be centered around Shannon. McCuller, I just I don't see him being that offensive juggernaut at Kansas. I think he's going to have very much the same type of role that he had at Tech. Um, and he may even have to come off the bench. So, you know, Agbo at Boise, I think Ag- Agbo will have a very nice season up there but i just you know i think i i just don't see him having a, a better year than shannon and the same with malik wilson at houston i just i think i think clearly it's going to be shannon and you know i think shannon's going to have a very solid year with illinois and who knows we may see them in the tournament that would be that would be interesting to say the least so last question is teaching a good profession to enter in 2022 unemployed from Valdosta so this comes up because we are realistically right now we're in a teacher shortage and there's a variety of reasons why some people think we're in a teacher shortage some people have said uh, pay is an issue some people have said that they're that we're putting too much on teachers plates the pandemic's been blamed um, the political issues that are going on in the schools have been blamed as well. Here's what I would say. I think, yes, um, teaching is a good profession to get into if you know what you're getting into and if you, f- if you believe that your talents, the things that you like, the things that you're passionate about can be used in the teaching profession, um, I will say this about one thing. I don't think pay is the number one issue why teachers are leaving. Now, should teachers get paid more than they than they are right now? Absolutely 100%. But there are a lot of districts, my district being one, that salary-wise are taking very good care of teachers. And if you were to look at the average salary – of some of a of a citizen in in those communities, the amount that teachers are getting paid is very much on level there. Now, are teachers getting paid f- for the amount of work that they do? I think there is a debate to be had there, but I still think pay is not the number one reason teachers are leaving. I think it's a common, I think it's a couple of things. I think number one, it's there they are putting more and more on teachers' plates, and expecting more and more from them, which I think if you look at there are there are things that need to be taken off teachers' plates that aren't their job. But I think the number I, I, I think the number one issue why teachers are leaving is the environment that they're having to work in, and the, and the lack of discipline that schools exercise against students. And it can be very rough when you're going to school every day and students are out of control and you know that you, th- you're powerless to do anything about it. You can send them to the office all you want, but a lot of times they get sent right back. Or you're given the third degree about why would you write that up. Did they really do that? I think that's the number one reason stu- uh, teachers are leaving. So I would say to unemployed in Valdosta, teaching is a great profession, but you need to go in with the realization of some of the weaknesses and some of the things that are going to frustrate you. Discipline is going to frustrate you, and if you if you feel like that the things that are frustrate you and the things that are out of your control, you can deal with then I think teaching is a great profession to do. I love my job. I love teaching. I love teaching history. There are things that frustrate me, discipline being one, for sure. Um, but it's it's still not at a point yet where I would want to leave the teaching profession over it. I just know that frustrates me and a lot of, a lot of that is out of my control. So... You you deal it but every job has that by the way. Every job has things you're not gonna like. Every job has things that are not in your control that you have to work through. And the key is is there enough good in that job to keep you? For me right now, there's enough good in teaching to keep me wanting to continue to teach. So we're gonna go ahead and take a break, and then when we come back. We're going to get to the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. And welcome back to this week's edition of the Chris Carpenter show. It is now time for the Chris Carpenter tip of the week. And my tip of the week is going to deal with a good way to keep yourself healthy this summer. It is really a good time of the year to go out, walk in, go out. Get some sun, go swimming, just get out there. The weather is usually good. I know it's it's hot in the afternoons, but go out in the mornings. You know, even before like one or two o'clock. Um, after that, you know, go get go go jump in the pool and get cooled off. But make sure, no matter what you're doing outside, you remember to wear sunscreen. This is real important uh, for me because I burn very easily. I mean, I remember one time. I went to, it was it's called Six Flags Hurricane Harbor now, but it was called Wet and Wild in Arlington. And I, I spent like 12 hours at that water park and I didn't put on sunscreen for the entire day. And I paid a very dear and painful price for not doing that. Um, I literally was as red as a lobster. And for about three or four days after that, I had a hard time even moving, walking, doing anything. I was in so much pain. Um, so don't ever want to repeat that again. And so, uh, you know, even when I go out, go for my walks in the morning, I usually spray down with uh, with some uh, sunscreen. I, I use the strongest SPF 50, and it works really good. And I still get a little bit of a tan, um, so that's good too. But make sure you take care of it. You know, you don't want to deal with the sunscreen and then there's long-term effects of exposure to the sun. But anyway, hope everybody has a good week. Again, programming note, there will not be a midweek madness this week of the Chris Carpenter Show. I've got um, a couple of teaching workshops I'm doing this week. We'll return next Saturday with episode 54, a regular edition of The Chris Carpenter Show. And then I will have a Midweek Madness that next Wednesday. And um, tune in next Saturday and I'll tell you what the topic is for that Midweek Madness. But until then, have a great week and continue to listen to The Chris Carpenter Show.